We're not used to this stuff. <clears throat> Amen. Tonight I want to minister to you on the power of God's Word. I want to talk to you about God's Word. God's Word. God's Word. His Word. His Word. His Word. You know, we, we've lost the sense and value of somebody's Word. But God's Word, it contains power. Amen? God's Word has value. God's Word has life. God's Word changes things when it comes on the scene. But uh, I just want to look through His Word tonight. I want to look through some verses. I want to identify some things that I believe will uh, just continue to show us the value of God's Word and, and the place that we ought to give it in our life. I, I've, I've learned this in my life that uh, value is determined by what you spend your time doing. Okay, I can look at your life and I can see what you spend time doing. What are the things that prioritize your life and, and take up most of your day? And, it, you know, it, we can get a pretty clear picture of what you value. If we spend a lot of time working and we put in overtime and, uh, you know, we stay behind when they ask us to stay and, uh, you know, even when there's other things that are pulling on us, we say, you know what, I need to make the money, I need to be here, then we've got a priority to be a hard worker. We've got a priority, uh, you know, that we need some extra money or whatever it is. And so there's your priority. There are others that would say, you know what, I, I know that you need me. I know that you need me there, but I got to get home to my family. And that doesn't mean that some people don't value family and some people value jobs. But there are some people that are willing to say, you know what, there's no price. There's no dollar amount you could pay me that would take up time with my family. I've got to be home with my kids. I've got to be home with my wife. And so there's value there. But uh, for us as believers, we need to be spending time in God's word. In God's word. You know, when you have a relationship with someone, uh, you know, communication and their word means a lot. Okay? There's no relationship that's not built on communication. Not a, not a good one. Lousy relationships are built off of no communication. When we choose not to talk, when we choose not to communicate, when we choose to just bottle things up or, you know, not share things that are going on uh, in our lives, then relationships fall apart. But relationships are bound by communication. But God's relationship, the, the relationship he wants with his people is so strong and is so powerful that he's given us his written word. He says, I want my word to be with you no matter where you go. I want you to be able to reflect back, look back on my word so you can never doubt or question what I said. How many of you remember when you were dating? That might have been recent. That might have been a long time ago. But how many of you remember, you know, those of you that are married when you were dating and somebody would say something and then you would immediately try to figure out what they meant by that? <laughs> You would immediately, you would immediately try to determine uh, what did what did she mean by that? What did, what did she mean? She said, "I'll see you later." Does she mean like, "I will see you later," or does she mean, "I'm looking forward to seeing you later"? I mean, you know, we 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 spend time thinking about the word within the word. You know, we spend time trying to figure out what they meant by the word. Just communicating, just the sentence wasn't enough. And then, and, and then you spend all day reflecting and thinking about. Those words you spend all day thinking about what did they mean by that? And so God has given us his written word. God has given us the declaration of his word. And uh, we call it the Bible. We call it the Bible. And that is God's word speaking to us. It is God communicating to us. That is 
the, the value of the relationship that God had for his people is that we would always be able to be in constant communication with him. Now, it's not the only way that God communicates to us, but we always have his word. And the exciting thing is, is when you begin to doubt, when you think you misunderstood something, when you think you don't know, or when, you, when you're trying to figure something out, you can always go to his word. And then he gave us his Holy Spirit. He gave us his Holy Spirit that would illuminate the word to us or reveal the word to us. That's what that word illuminate means. Illuminate literally means to turn the light on. So we don't have to play that game with God. Well, what did he mean by that? What did he mean? What, what did he mean when he said that I sent my word and healed you of all your sickness and all your diseases? What do you mean by that? Well, we don't have to play that because the Holy Spirit has been sent to us now and he's only going to speak on what the Father says. He's only going to speak in line with what the Father God says. And so we don't ever have to worry about, you know, is he telling us something that God would say? You know, that's something else that we deal with. You know, that might take you back to maybe high school or middle school. And, and you had to send somebody to, hey, uh, go tell so-and-so that I like them. Or someone comes to you and says, hey, uh, so-and-so, they told me that they like you. And now you're, you're, you're trying to determine the source of who's talking to you. Is the messenger... It is the messenger worthy of being believed at this point. But we have the Holy Spirit that's going to speak directly in line with God's word. So we have his word written down for all of time. And then we have the Holy Spirit that will illuminate it or speak it to us and guide us and direct us in God's word. So we need to place some value on God's word. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, if you have an iPad or an iPhone or whatever, uh, you can look it up on YouVersion. Um, uh, we're going to have it up here on the slides. I mean, this is how much we value the Word of God. We want you to see it. We want you to know it. I was talking with someone last night, you know, talking about, you know, all the technology we have. And, and look, I'm, I've got the iPhones and I've got the iPads. I'm right there with anybody. I'm actually... Probably ahead of most people. People come to me asking questions about this stuff, and I love it. I mean, the iPad has literally replaced so much for me. It's replaced my books. It's replaced, uh, you know, a notepad and a pen. Uh, it's replaced a calendar. It's replaced so much stuff. But it has not replaced the Bible for me. Although I can access it and, and use it and utilize it as a Bible, uh, I always make sure to have this. With me, There is nothing like having the written word of God that I can highlight, mark up, underline, put stars on, circle. Uh, I can put 50 different colors in there and they all mean different stuff or whatever people do in their Bibles. Uh, you know, go crazy. I heard someone one time say, if you got a Bible you can't mark in, get a new Bible. <laughs> you need a different Bible. If you got one that, oh, I don't want to mark this thing up, well, then you need to go stick that on the shelf and it just sit there and look good. You need to go get you one that you can mark up. And that's truth. We need to be in the Word, and we need to be identifying things that speak to us. Okay? But here in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4 says, Where the word of a king is, there is power. Where the word of a king is, there is power. Well, how many of you know that God is a king? Nobody. Okay. God is a king. I'll just go ahead and let you know. God is a 
king. He is a supreme being. He rules over a kingdom, over a territory. And so God is a king. Well, a king's word, uh, they don't just spit things out. Uh, a king doesn't just say whatever. See, we do. We, we just say whatever and we a lot of times eat our words. A lot of times we have to uh, try to retract our words. Oh, I didn't mean it. But God doesn't say stuff he doesn't mean because where the word of a king is, there is power. When God releases a word, he releases power. If you need power in your life for something, what you really need is God's word for something. Because a king rules by his power. And the power is contained within the word. Therefore, a king rules by his word. A king always rules by what he says. A king cannot rule and be silent at the same time. That's interesting to think about. A king cannot rule but be silent at the same time. If a king wants to rule, he has to say something. Because that's where the power is. That is where the, the authority comes from is in his words. It's in what he says. It's in what he communicates. It's in what he vocalizes. It's in the word that he then puts on paper and it becomes law. So powerful that not even the king can go back on it. That's how powerful the word of God is. That God can't even go back and say, I didn't really mean that. Because God is a man that he will not lie. No, God is a God of truth. Over in Psalms, it tells us that his word is truth. It's truth. We just talked about truth uh, either last month or a couple months ago. We just recently talked about truth. God is all about truth. His word is truth. We can believe him at his word. I know that might sound very uh, simple. It doesn't sound like a real complex statement, but look. He is the one person in the entire universe that when he says something or speaks something, we can take it as if it's already been done. Not just going to be done or hoping it gets done or wishing it would get done or maybe one day it will get done, but it already has been done. That's the power that God has in his word. That when he says something, he communicates something that already has happened. You got to remember that God already knows the end from the beginning. God already knows the end of a thing before he even starts it. God has already written the end of a book before he even starts the first chapter. Before he even jots down the first words, he's already written the end of the thing. And so when God is speaking, he's speaking from the future to your current situation. He's not speaking from back here and saying, let's see if it takes place. He's already been there and says, hey, this is what it's going to look like. That's why he could talk to Abraham and give him his word you will be the father of many nations. That's why he could talk uh, to uh, Abraham and say, your people will inherit this land. And that's why he could tell Moses, you're going to bring them out of Egypt and they are going to go into the promised past tense land. Why? Because I've already been there and I already saw it happen. I've already seen it take place. That's why he can say uh, things to us like we have been healed of all of our sickness and all of our disease. That's talking about sickness and disease that hasn't even happened yet. I heard one minister put it this way. He says, before you were sick, you were healed. Before you were sick, you were healed. You were healed before you even got sick. So the sickness that's trying to come on your body has already had healing applied to it. 
and we just have to operate it. Why? Because that is his word. That's his word. Where the word of a king is, there is power. A king is powerless when he's silent. A king rules by his word. A king dictates by his word. A king causes things to happen by his word. That's all you need is the word of the king and it will change something. Where the word of the king is, there is power. Let's look at some verses here in the word that tell us how powerful this word is. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. One of my favorite verses. One of my favorite verses. If, if we would just apply this verse, we would put so many uh, leadership and, uh, uh, you know, get rich quick guys out of out of work, man. If we if we would apply this, uh, you know, those guys who, who are some of those guys. John, what's that one guy? Gibbons. John, is it John Gibbons or something? He, he teaches you how to buy an island in 10 days or something. You know, he gets up there and he gives you his big motivational speech. And, and really, the way that these guys get rich is they sell their stuff for $1,200. If you buy my packet for $1,200, I'll tell you how you can get rich. Oh, you mean go out and start a quick rich scheme and just tell everybody about it and sell my stuff for $1,200. Okay. I mean, that, that's, that's how they're making their money. Okay. Yeah, I just told their secret. But God has a better secret. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, he says this, this book of the law, what does a book contain? Words. It contains God's word. In essence, he's saying, if you get in my word and don't let it depart from your mouth, that means say the things I'm saying. If you will say what God's saying, there's, there's power in agreement. There's power in agreement. God isn't asking you to believe for something crazy. He's just asking you to believe what he says. And if we can just agree with God, when we get in faith, in essence, all we're doing is we're just saying, yeah, God, I believe that. I agree with you. You're right. You're right about that. This book of the law, my word, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. That word meditate means to chew on, to think on. There's a repetitiveness here. Meditation takes discipline. Meditating is different than reading. Meditating is what you do after you read it. Meditating is what you do when you go back out that door and get in your car and go home. Meditating isn't what you're doing right now. You're hearing. And faith comes by hearing. But faith is strengthened the more and more you Here, the more and more you give yourself to it. So this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Say what I'm saying. But you shall meditate in it day and night. You shall think on. You shall chew on it. You shall continue in it. That you may what? Observe to do. According to all that is written therein. The word of God requires application. The reason why most of us don't see the power of God's word show up in our lives is because we don't do it. It requires application. The word isn't doing it. You're doing the word. We have to be doers of the word. Do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Notice, notice that my success in life is directly related to the word. My success in life. 
My level of success in life is directly tied to what I do with God's word in my life. Success in my life is directly tied, directly related to what I do with God's word. Are we just hearers or are we doers? Are we people that just go to church but then never look at it again? Go a whole nother seven days or a whole nother four days without ever getting back in it again. Look, church is vital. Church is important. But this is just the beginning. This isn't the finish line. Oh, God, I made it to church. What a long day. I mean, I made it here. Just hopefully that will hold me over until Sunday. No, we've got to be, we've got to have more than that, guys. We've got to be people that come to the church, hear a word, and it ignites something within us that says, I got to have more of that. I'm going to pick it up tomorrow. I'm going to pick it up Friday. I'm going to pick it up Saturday. I'm going to pick it back up Sunday. I'm going to look at it on Monday. The days that you need it most are the days you need to be in it the most. Those days where we feel like we can't make it through, guess what? We're feeling powerless, but because we're not getting in the power of his word. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. It's almost like he's giving you the answer. Why is it departing your mouth? Because you're not meditating in it. You will find in life that the more that you think on and keep the word in front of you, you'll start saying it. It'll start becoming more automatic to you. It'll start becoming the first instinct. It'll start becoming the first thing you say instead of the last thing you say. It'll start, the, a, a negative report comes and the, you just find yourself saying, praise God. Well, there's nothing to praise God about. Oh yeah, there is. His word tells me something that's different than what I see today. I want to talk about that here in a minute. Because the word contains the power. So the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night. Observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you'll make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. His word is so powerful that if you read it, speak it, and do it, it will change your life. That's how powerful the word of God is. It will give you the success you're looking for. This is kind of reiterated over in First First Kings, First Kings, chapter two. First Kings, chapter two. I just want to encourage us tonight. We've got to be in His Word. His Word can change our life. His Word can change our. Situations. First Kings chapter two, verse three. And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. Wherever you turn. Prosperity and success is directly tied to what I do with God's word in my life. And we see this message repeated over and over and over. We see this message show up throughout God's word. Just be in my word. Just do my word. Just continue in my word. And you will see your life change. I mean, God has given us uh, everything that we need to succeed. It's interesting to note, you know, if you really break down the whole garden scenario, 
the whole Garden of Eden scenario and where man fell. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting to note that God never talked about the snake. You never see one time where God is alerting Adam and Eve that there is a snake in the garden. He never once brings up the fact that his known enemy is in the garden, the very garden where he has placed Adam and Eve. And he put Adam there. The Bible tells us that he placed Adam in the garden. God doesn't try to like sweep him up and move him somewhere else and say, look, I got to get you away from this big bad snake. No, the problem was never the issue. The problem is never the issue, guys, because God has given us the very thing that will defeat the problem every time. His word. God gave Adam everything he needed to succeed in that moment. Gave Eve everything she needed to succeed in that moment. What was that? A shovel? No. Lasers? Nope. Did, 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 did he say, now look, if that snake ever shows up, just cry out to me and I'll come down and strike him. He never even said to do that. He never even told him to do anything with the snake. He didn't say, now when that snake comes, you just rebuke him in the name of Jesus. No. What was Adam's defense to the snake? Obedience to God's word. The resource that God gave Adam in the garden to defeat the snake was obedience to his word. I've given you a command, and as long as you never eat of that tree, the snake won't be able to do anything against you. And guys, this is repeated in our lives today. We're having uh, prayer teams and we're having, uh, you know, healing lines and we're doing all this stuff trying to whip the devil. When number one, the devil is already whipped. But number two, God has already given his word to us. And if we will submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from us. He will run in terror, the Bible says, in the opposite direction. And sometimes we think of, you know, submitting to God and resisting the devil as two different positions. But it's really the same thing, because if I'm submitted to God, I'm resisting the devil. It's the same position. All I have to do is just submit to God's word and the enemy has no hold on me. He cannot touch me. He cannot try to put anything on me. But it's when our alignment with God's word. Look, this is why his word is so valuable. This is why his word is so important. When our alignment with God's word gets out of whack, that's when we open ourselves up to attack. That's when we open up ourselves to uh, the devices of the enemy because he's a deceiver. If you won't obey God's word, you won't believe God's word. The only thing the enemy can attack in your life is the most powerful thing that you have, his word. If he can make you think that you're not healed, you'll get sick. If he can make you think that you're always behind and you're never ahead and you never have enough and you never will have enough, he'll defeat you. If he can make you think Contrary to what God has already spoken, that's where he wins. That's where he defeats us in life. And so we've got to see this. That the only place the enemy can attack us is in the most valuable resource God has given us, 
his word. This is why we've got to know his word. This is why we've got to know how valuable God's word is. In essence, you could say it this way. God places value on his word. And the devil places value on God's word. He values God's word so much that that's the number one thing he's attacking. And look, guys, he's not attacking us. He's not attacking our our, our bodies. He's not attacking our homes. He's not attacking our finances. He's not attacking our governments. He's attacking God's word on the situation. That's what he's after. If he can make you think that God has a different picture than what the Bible shows us of what a biblical marriage looks like, then he will win in these definitions of marriage that we see today trying to show up. It's not an attack against marriage. It's an attack on what God has said about marriage. It's an attack on what God has said about healing. It's it's an attack on what God has said about prosperity and success and peace. So we've got to see this. We've got to value God's word. Look at Psalms chapter 119. Psalms chapter 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. And can you guess what the entire chapter is all about? His word. The whole thing from verse 1 all the way down to verse, I believe it's 150, just goes all the way down. And it the whole thing is about his word. God has dedicated the longest chapter in the entire Bible to talking about his word. He's given his word about his word. And the whole thing David's talking about, that's where we have the word, uh, I have... Hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What keeps you from sinning against God? His word. And what you do with it. Where you place it. Many of us aren't hiding it in his word. We're just sticking it in our head. And so the enemy comes along. I mean, we could talk about this all night. Matthew chapter 13, the enemy comes on. And what is he attacking? What is the enemy going after in the parable of the sower? The word. As soon as the word is sown, the enemy comes along to steal the word of the kingdom. I mean, if that doesn't wake us up, then what does? If that doesn't show us that we need to be placing value on God's word, then what does? The whole parable of the sower is all about Different people that do different things with God's word. Four different scenarios of four different types of people that had four different responses to the word. One just cast the word aside. There was no understanding. There was no knowledge. They didn't allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate the scripture to them. So it fell on the wayside and the enemy came and picked it up. Some heard the word and they received it with joy, but then they got out of there. They got out in the world. And because of the word that they heard, trials and tribulations started showing up. They started being persecuted. They started, you go to that church. You really believe God says that? You really believe God wants to heal you? You really believe God wants you to overcome? And they, and because of that, they started letting that stuff drown out, choke out the word. And it was unfruitful. Then we have those that, again, they received it, they're excited, but then cares of the world and riches start to talk louder because money can talk just as loud as God talks if you let it. 
the riches of the world and the cares of the world start talking louder than the word is talking. And again, it's unprofitable. But the one that heard the word, does the word, understands the word, that's the one that reaped in their lives 30, 60, and 100 fold. Okay, so we've got to see this. Uh, Psalms chapter 119, verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it. I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding. Guys, we have to have understanding. It is no longer an excuse of ours that we say, well, I just don't get it. God wants us to understand. God wants us to have spiritual knowledge and spiritual wisdom. There's not a time that I go into the Word where I don't stop and say, Holy Spirit, I ask you that you illuminate this Word to me. Show me what God is trying to say to me. This Word is not naturally discerned. I don't care how many years you went to school. I don't care how many doctorates you have. I don't care what's going on. I don't care when you graduated or if you didn't graduate. This thing is not naturally discerned. It is spiritually comprehended. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit. He says, give me understanding and I shall keep your law. You can't obey what you don't know. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Not half, not part, not 90%. My whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. I delight in it. If you skip on down to verse 89, uh, David says this, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Forever. That shows us the length of time that his word will last. See, some people, their word is only good for a certain amount of time. Time will run out. This offer is only good for. This promise expires 12, 31, 14. You have to the end of the year. After that, you're on your own. No, God doesn't have an expiration date on his word. God's word lasts. God's word is forever settled in heaven. Your faithfulness is it endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances. For all uh, for all are your servants, unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me for I have sought your precepts. It's interesting to note that everything in this universe, everything in this world is subject to change. Except God's word. It's the only thing that nothing can touch it. Nothing can move it. Nothing can deter it. Nothing can change it. I mean, our bodies are constantly changing. The trees are changing. This world is constantly changing. All of it is degrading and decaying. All of it is digressing. We talked about change on Sunday. You know, change is always happening. Change is always taking place. Whether good or bad, change is always happening. I mean, you're, you're changing hair color, you're, you're changing weight, you're changing size, you're changing knowledge. Things are always changing, but the Word of God is the one thing that remains consistent. Nothing can change it. Nothing can deter it. God's Word remains the same regardless of time. 
Right? Regardless of time. It doesn't matter if it was in Jesus' day or today. It doesn't matter if that was the 60s. Well, that's just the way it was, you know, back in the 60s. You know, God was always moving and doing this and doing that. God still wants to move. God's power and God's word is not relative to time. It's not relative to culture. God's word isn't, you know, just for, uh, you know, the Middle East or for Europe or for the United States or for this demographic or this. It doesn't matter what culture it will meet you where you're at. It will not change. It remains the same regardless of season. It doesn't matter what season in your life. If you're a season of overcoming or a season of behind, if you're a season of, 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 of more than enough or a season of lack, it doesn't matter. God's word is the same regardless what season you're in. God's word is the same regardless of opinion. God's word doesn't change based upon what you think it means. God's word is not up for debate. God's word is not subject to your opinion or your idea or your agenda. I don't determine what God's word speaks to me based upon who's saying what about it. I only allow the word to be my foundation. I only allow the word to tell me what the word is saying. The word defines itself. I don't need to know what you think about it. I don't need to know all your studying and all your theology. I can go to the Word and get what the Word says. Thank God that there are godly men that have studied the Word, that have studied doctrine and theology. But when it's all said and done, they don't determine if I really believe that. It's the Word that determines it. And if it doesn't line up with the Word, then I don't believe it. God's Word is the same regardless if it's if you're in something that's good or something that's bad. You know, sometimes we try to make the word of God relative to based upon if we're seeing that result in our life. But it's not determined by that. The word is the same whether I'm going through a bad season or a good season. The word of God is the same. It still communicates the same thing. The word of God is the same regardless of my circumstance. And that's a big one, guys, because there are many people that will try to let, allow you to see the word of God in light of their situation. And there's this thing in church today that we only listen to people that, are, that have gone through or are going through what we're going through. And that is wrong. And if you disregard what someone wants to communicate to you about your situation when it's from the word of God, just because you don't know me and you don't know my situation, you haven't been there. That's wrong. That's incorrect. Because the word of God is not strengthened by you having gone through what I'm going through. And many times, guys, those people are incorrect anyways, because they're only basing it on their situation. And now what you've done is you have taken on their lens of what this verse really means when really you need to see the word of God for yourself. 
Look, I don't care if I've, I've never been on my deathbed and you are. I can communicate the word and tell you how God has proclaimed healing to his people. And if you have faith, you can move a mountain. I can I can tell you that. And you don't need to sit there and say, you don't know the pain I'm going through. You don't know the situation I'm in. Sure, it may help. But it doesn't determine the validity of God's word. God's word is authentic. God's word is genuine. And what he has spoken. I mean, let's let's just put it this way. Jesus never went through any of the things that he delivered the people out of. Jesus didn't have to become a prostitute to deliver a prostitute. Jesus didn't have to deliver a, a drug addict or an alcoholic to deliver an alcoholic or a drug addict. Jesus never had to be sick with leprosy to heal a leprous man. Jesus never had to have a family member close to him die to go and heal Lazarus and understand uh, what Mary and Martha were going through. The word isn't relative to your situation. The word is relative to truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And Jesus was the word of God in the flesh. And his word can change my situation. Matthew 24, verse 35 speaks more to this. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will by no means pass away. No means. That means there's nothing that can come against the word that will keep it from stopping, that will keep it from producing, that will keep it from going on. It's amazing. You know, I'm I'm doing a class with our Kingdom Institute students right now called History of the Bible. And we're learning about the literal, tangible history of the word of God and how this book has made it through history the way it has. That even though we do not have one original copy of the Bible today, it's nowhere to be found. You won't find a letter that Paul wrote. You won't find a scroll that Isaiah wrote on. You'll find the copies because back way back then before we had a printing press, we had scribes that had to handwrite this stuff. There was no, let me just make a photocopy and get Isaiah to you real quick. No, it's like, let me handwrite it. Which portion do you want? Or I can just write out the whole thing. Give me, a, give me a couple weeks and I'll get you the copy of Isaiah. I mean, that's what it was. We have those, but we don't have any original copies. But we have over 20,000 manuscripts that allude to the Word of God. And today there are books that people uh, render to be more truth than the Word, and they only have like two or three. Isn't that amazing? How many times has the word come under fire? Literally. There were kings that wanted to get rid of every copy of the Bible, but somehow they squeezed one out because I've got one. Somehow they got one to stick around long enough to get one to me. Amen. This word was never, never going to pass away. There's nothing. It says by no means. Look, there's an enemy that is out to get the word. There's an enemy that's out to stick the uh, to to take the word away from you that you need so it can change your life. But we have to choose to believe it. The timelessness of God's rule is determined by the timelessness of God's word. See. Because God's word will never pass away, 
His kingdom will never pass away. As long as his word is out there, he's in charge. As long as his word is being spoken, as long as his word is available, there is nothing that can tear down the kingdom of God. Because a king rules by his word. A king rules by his word. All he has to do is give the word and it happens. The consistency, this is the exciting thing, guys, is we are living in a world where everything's changing. Everything's moving. But God's word is the one thing that remains consistent. And I tell you today that if you'll get a hold of God's word, it will change your situation. If you'll get a hold of God's word, it will change your situation because only something that is constant can change things that are always moving. You can't have something that's always moving change something that's moving. But God's word is the one thing that remains consistent. Therefore, it can change the other things that are always changing. So we've got to get a hold of the one thing. Look, the doctor's report is always changing. The bank account is always changing. The government and the economic system is always changing. The healthcare system is always changing. Your marriage and your love walk is always changing. The school system is always changing. So quit putting your faith in stuff that's always changing. Put your faith in the one thing that doesn't change, no matter what's going on. And you'll watch your life align. How in the world are you going to align yourself to the economic system of this world? People are just as shaky today as the economic system. It's easy to see who has their foundation in the economic system of the world. Because when it's up, they're up. When it's down, they're down. I just, you know, I have just resolved I don't like roller coasters that much. I like roller coasters, but I couldn't do one every single day of my life 24-7. I couldn't do that. We just have to be resolved within ourselves that no matter what report I get, I'm standing on God's word. If I get a good report, that doesn't mean I shift myself. Oh, I don't need the word anymore. I'm going to believe what the doctor says because he says that he sees some recovery. Because guess what he's going to say tomorrow? Eh, It's not looking so good. I don't need God's word today because the stock market is looking good. I mean, everything that I've got my money in, everything I'm invested in, it's showing up today, man. I'm in the green. I got plus signs. I don't have any minus signs. Well, tomorrow, guess what you're going to get? A minus sign. If it can go up, it can go down. God's word doesn't go up or go down. It's just steady, consistent. And that's the foundation you want to be built on. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. This is the value that God has for his word. In the beginning was the word. See, God's word has always existed. God's word is why we're here. Let there be light and there was light. I mean, that's the power in God's word. Let me say it and it'll happen. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. But then we skip on down to verse 14 and the word 
The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God wanted to get the word to you so badly that he said, here, let me put some flesh on it and let me show you what this word is really capable of. And everywhere Jesus went, he changed things because that's what the word does is it changes stuff. It changes stuff. It changes deaf ears to open. It changes blind eyes to open, to seeing. It changes uh, lame legs to walking. It changes dead people to living. It changes storms to peace and calm. It changes stuff. I love what one person said. You know, this is how powerful God's word is. You know, that when he called, when Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And I heard one minister say, he said, if he would have just said, come forth, all the dead people would have come out. <laughs> That's the fact. I don't know who he's calling, so let's just all go. Let's just get on out of this thing. I, was that for you? I don't know. I'll take it. <laughs> right? That's how powerful God's word is. So he had to get specific. Lazarus, you're the man I'm calling out. Come forth. Because God's word has power. Amen? Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Paul said this, so now, brethren... I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. God's word always is in the business of building up. God doesn't send his word to tear people down. I remember, you know, when you grow up in a Pentecostal church, man, there's some crazy stuff that can happen. There's just, you know, free reign, and we just chalk it up and say, that was the Holy Spirit. Well, not all the time. Paul had to deal with that in the Corinthian church. But, you know, I remember we'd get some prophetic words that, man, you thought that hell was about to enter up in the building. You thought we all going home to see Jesus right now. (laughs) And he's not happy with any of us. He's mad at me. I think I smell something burning in here. I'm getting out of here. I'll tell you what. There are some prophetic words. But God's word doesn't come to to tear you up. He doesn't come to condemn you. I mean, you you left church. It's like, man, I just I just got to go find my prayer closet and just pray for the rest of the night. I, don't, I feel terrible right now. But that's not God. That's not God. When God shows up, when he speaks, you feel encouraged. Well, what about when he corrects? Man, when you see correction the right way, it'll encourage you. Why? Because it only correct so you can get it right and be restored. What kind of parents would we be if we never corrected our children? They would, be, they would still be eating with their hands. They would have probably already burned every hair off their head by sticking knives in, lots, uh, 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 knives in uh, electrical sockets. They would have done running the road and been hit by cars. I mean, come on, if we never corrected them. No, but the correction is there so you don't do it next time. Don't touch the hot stove. I mean, could you see some of our, what happened to your, you know, just have a classroom full of kids with burnt hands. My parents didn't tell me not to touch the stove. Mine didn't either. Maybe we're not supposed to touch it. I heard one person say, when you, when you dismiss instruction, pain is your only teacher. When I don't listen to what someone tells me, then I have to learn it on my own, and that hurts, right? Well, I'd rather just listen to God than listen to pain. Amen. Commends you 
to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, last verse. For the word of God is living. Guys, some of you, those of you that were there on Friday night, you may remember living is active, effective, and productive. God's word is active. It's always moving. It's always changing. It's effective. It's, it's, it's completing a work within me. And it's productive. It's producing something. God's word will produce something if you yield yourself to it. The word of God is living and powerful. Why? Because where the word of the king is, there is power. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word is living, guys. God's word will produce something in us. God will, God's word wants to affect our lives. It wants to leave a mark. On us. We've got to yield to God's word. We've got to yield to its power. We've got to yield uh, to what it can accomplish in our lives. God, God wants to do so many great things. But he said this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is righteousness? Right alignment with his authority. Right alignment with his word. A king's authority is in his word. You don't have authority unless you say something. You don't have uh, a dominion unless you're proclaiming something. And we've got to be people that yield to God's word. We've got to be people that place proper value on God's word. God wants to change your life, but he's not doing it without his word. God wants to change your marriage, but he's not doing it without his word. The exciting thing, guys, is that he has given his word about anything and everything you could possibly go through and have gone through in your life. It's in his word. It's in his word. See, for me as a pastor, you know, I, I, I don't take any credit. Because when I counsel somebody, all I do is just give them the word on it. Well, let me show you what God says about it. That's my job as a shepherd, is to lead you in what has God said, the great shepherd. He's already said something about that. Oh, it's a financial issue? Let me show you what God said. And if we're not in alignment with the word, then there's the issue. There's the issue. If I'm not in alignment, if I don't have faith and trust in his word, if I'm not uh, righteously obeying his word, then I won't get the result. I won't get the result. God's word wants to produce in our lives. God's word, God's word wants to deliver results in our lives, but we have to yield to it and we have to give value to it. We have to give attention to it. I didn't bring those, word, those verses in. We've seen them before. Proverbs chapter 4. My son, give attention to my word. Attend your ear to my sayings. Give ear to my sayings. Look, guys, we don't need another revelation. We don't need a vision. We don't need an angel to come and tell us. We have the very word of God. And until we obey this, we don't need anything else. 
But when we can come into alignment with the Word of God, we can see it produce the results in our lives. We can see it produce the Word, the, the results, because the Word goes in. It's a seed. It gets planted. I've got to water it. It's going deep in the ground. You don't see it anymore, but as I water it, as I take care of it, as I get it in the right environment, all of a sudden it begins to show something. Here's a blade. There's a blade. Now I'm starting to see some fruit show up. Now I have something to give away. Why? Because the Word was sown. Because the Word was sown in our hearts. Father, we thank you tonight that we give a value We give uh, attention to your word. We give attention to your word. Not just this word tonight, but whatever situation we're in, we discover your word on it. Right now, wherever you're at, just think. Whatever situation, whether it's a marriage deal, whether it's a financial thing, uh, it may be a job thing, maybe you're believing God for favor in your life. Uh, Maybe there's something going on with your children. Uh, Maybe uh, you're just... Uh, struggling with peace. You're just anxious all the time. You're fearful. You're worried. You're concerned. I want to tell you right now that God has a word for your scenario, for your situation. This week, this weekend, the next days, you need to give yourself to find out what does God say about that thing. Quit trying to figure it out on your own. Quit listening to everybody else's word because nobody else's word will last forever. Only God's word will remain forever. Heaven and earth are going to pass away. Don't try to find out what another doctor has to say about it. Don't go to another bank to find out what they're going to say about it. Don't post it on Facebook and try to, try to see what everybody thinks about your situation. Go to God's word. He's already given you a word. Now it's our job to find it and align ourselves with it. And God, I thank you that you're going to reveal those words to us. Holy Spirit, you're going to illuminate those words to us. And then we'll stand on the word, immovable, unshaken, with no doubting, knowing that your word lasts forever. Your word remains forever. Your word is forever settled in heaven. I thank you that your word contains the power to change our lives, change our homes, change our marriages. It all starts with getting in your word. Father, we thank you for this tonight. I thank you for this group that's here with us tonight. I thank you that they have given time, given sacrifice, given value to hear your word tonight. May we meditate on it. May we stir it up within us so that it can produce a result in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Uh, We have our ushers coming to give or to pick up your tithe and your offering. Amen. If you need an offering envelope, please raise your hand real high and our ushers.